Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Coming up this week, a family sues Disney after an eight-year-old boy gets bitten by a snake and his grandmother dies. A man is arrested at Disneyland Paris Hotel after firearms are found in his luggage. And Universal Hollywood announces that it is going to go to on-demand pricing for theme park tickets. And we'll also have a new dining review of the Nine Dragons restaurant at Epcot. All that coming up next. From the Bob Varley studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged episode. I don't know what episode number it is because I don't have it in my script. <laughs> episode 871 for the week of February 2nd, 2016. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the show, coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi. Hi, everybody. Kevin Close. Hello. Teresa Eccles. Hello. Corey Martin. Just happy to be here. Back in the production nook, our producer, Craig Williams, along with our intern and prolific writer, Mr. Steve Porter. Hello. i got to come up with a better intro for you, a better title for you. Um... Did he have facial hair last time I saw him? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's. It's happening I, for sh- you. Go. I'm growing it out because I'm going to shave it all off when my girlfriend comes. But that makes sense. Okay. It does. It makes perfect. I guess it makes well, perfect sense. I want to go to the art of shaving, and they like. I want to pay for like. I want to cool. have them actually cut something off. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. I told him he should leave it. it. I think it looks good. Yeah. Mm. It makes you look older. Well, maybe I won't be it's called cool. Junior. Is that the? That's right. <laughs> So welcome to the show, everyone. A um, couple things that uh, I want to talk uh, talk about in housekeeping. Uh, first, I want to say uh, a big thank you to uh, John Panda, a.k.a. Big Fat Panda. Uh, he had me on his show uh, this week, and uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing that. And we're going to have him on our show. We'll have a link to that. In the uh, in the show notes page, I know we're we're, th- we're talking about having him on the show in the next uh, few weeks, so uh, look forward to that. Also, want to just encourage everybody to check out our YouTube channel. Um, there are two YouTube channels now. I don't know that we ever really kind of went over this uh, at the beginning of the year because we did make a change. Uh, it used to be we just had the one YouTube channel, uh, WDW Info, and that's where everything was. And then the beginning of the year, we split it. Um, we revived the old Diz Unplugged channel, which had been kind of dormant for a few years. And now all the Diz Unplugged shows and everything that kind of supports the Diz Unplugged shows goes on to that. So that's youtube.com slash Diz Unplugged. And then the WDW Info channel is where we have like our daily fix videos, um, any of the ride throughs that we do, any of the more timeless stuff that we do that isn't so date sensitive um, goes over on on the Diz channel. So that's youtube.com slash WDW info. So please go uh, check them out. And uh, very, very happy with the ride through that uh, we just put up uh, the uh, Haunted Mansion. Just picked <coughs> up a, uh, at Craig's uh, recommendation, picked up a new camera uh, a few weeks ago that is really good at filming in low light. And we, uh, oh, there's someone at the door. Um, 
That's probably one of my new cameras, actually. Um, so, yay. This um, one has legs and hands and everything. <laughs> the, uh, it's like romper room. Oh, there's someone at the door. Let's see who the guest is today. <laughs> but, so yeah, this camera's amazing in low light. And so check out our Haunted Mansion, our Haunted Mansion video. We got a bunch more coming uh, in the weeks and months ahead. So be sure to check that out. Um, what, uh, what else? To, oh, uh, we have shows. We have shows coming up. My script is half done. Um, I know that... Uh, Every Monday, the uh, the Diz Unplugged. I'm sorry, the Dreams Unlimited Travel Show. I'm oh, out of it today. Right, man. You want me to do it? Go ahead. Every Monday, Dreams Unlimited Travel podcast goes live. Uh, this past Monday, we had uh, one of our Dreams Unlimited Travel agents, Jenna Kazmierzak, was on, and she talked about Sandals and Beaches vacations. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback on that. People who didn't know we sold that vacation, but also Jenna's very excited about it, very passionate about it. She did a really good job explaining those. And then this upcoming week, this uh, upcoming Monday, is going to be uh, Craig is going to talk about his Adventures by Disney Backstage Magic podcast group that he hosted so that should be really good he had a really great time and came back with a really lot a lot of really cool information for us so we hope you enjoy us next monday for the dreams unlimited travel podcast and also on mondays the disneyland edition of the diz unplugged uh the show that went up yesterday michael bowling continues the celebration of disneyland's 60th with a look at the design and construction of the haunted mansion and coming up this Sunday night, live on Mixler.com, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, I think it is now, 10 p.m. Eastern, yeah. um, the team helps another Disneyland listener listener plan their upcoming vacation. That episode will be up on uh, on uh, iTunes next Monday. You know what? We just got to do, like, what's up this week. This is, like, too, I'm getting too confused. Yeah. Um, of course, every Wednesday, the uh, trip with Jenny Lennop, Teresa Eccles, and Jackie Gailey. What are you talking about this week? Why, this week, Mr. Warner, we have a hotel review. Don't remember the name of the hotel. Nice. <laughs> well, actually, you may not. You may not. Really? Because there was a notice on the door from OUC yesterday that they're going to be doing work in the area, and we may lose power between 12 and 1.30. So, wow. Okay. You know, but we don't know. Okay. They said they, they, well, they're let me being, know. They're very being, well, they're being very nonspecific that okay. we're not going to know until afternoon. So you got to be here. and Okay. We'll see. So there may be a trip episode tomorrow live, and there may not be. Well, make sure to film your disappointment. I will. Okay. We'll scope it, periscope it, or whatever it is. We'll scope we'll it. We'll scope it out so for everybody. Now, she just goes to scope it. We're going to have to light it by candlelight. We'll see you disappointed from the inside. Is That's that what right. you're telling us? Right. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, DizUnplugged.com, the universal edition of the Diz Unplugged with Craig Williams, Jenny Lynn Knopp, and Rhino Clavin. What do you have this week, Craig? Uh, Rhino and Jenny Lynn are going to give us their coverage uh, from this past weekend, the celebration of Harry Potter and everything that they got to experience. They really, I mean, they pumped out so much content from that event this weekend. It was crazy. They blew up Twitter. And Rhino, I, how many videos has he put up? I think it's up to nine now, yeah. something like that. So absolutely check that out. Um, so that's our, our slate of shows. Anything else for housekeeping? Yes. 
I am down to the last couple of seats for our Northern Italy and Switzerland trip starting August 28th and running through September 2nd. If you'd like to join us, we have a great group traveling. If you'd like to join us, let me know. Kevin at Dreams Unlimited Travel. I think we're going to have a great time. It's a five-day trip? It's the 28th through the 2nd. 28, 29, 30, 31, 1, 2. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Anything else for housekeeping? Couldn't do that math that fast in my head. Anything else? All right. What? Want me to do it again? No, that's okay. Please don't. All right. On to Johnny with the news. All right. Our first news story. Family sues Disney. Disney is being sued by a family who claims that their son was bitten by a snake at Animal Kingdom, causing his grandmother to go into cardiac arrest and die. Matt Morgan, an Orlando attorney, said the incident happened back in October of 2014, and he will be filing a lawsuit soon, quote, for the injury sustained by the boy and the wrongful death of the woman. Morgan said that the snake fell from a tree at the theme park (laughs) and bit the eight-year-old boy. Disney did not... Sorry, Disney did confirm to News 6 that, quote, the boy was bitten by a snake at the theme park, but said it was a wild, non-venomous snake and not part of the park's collection. They said a park nurse checked him out, put a Band-Aid on the injury, and the family went back into the park to continue their day. Morgan said the grandmother witnessed the incident, went into cardiac arrest, and died shortly after. A Disney spokesperson said of the incident, quote, these allegations are an utter miscarriage mischaracterization of the facts, end quote. And to uh, help us talk about this story, we've invited our good friend, uh, Jack Bergen, an attorney from Tennessee, to talk with us. How you doing, Jack? Fine. How is everybody? Doing good. Doing good. Um, so, yeah, I... Um... <laughs> First of all, do you know the specifics of when the gra- exactly when the grandmother died in relationship to It was a to couple of days. It was a couple of days after the incident. It wasn't like a year and a half? No. Okay. It well, like I said, they went back into the parks and enjoyed their day. Right. But grandma died because of witnessing it. Well, the, the argument being that the, the attorney, because this is an attorney, this Morgan guy, um, who's the, part of a very famous law firm here in Orlando. They're on television all the time. Very high profile local yeah, law firm. Very, very high profile personal injury attorneys. And so when you're in Orlando and you see the ambulance going down the street, look real close and you'll see one of the Morgan family running behind it. Um, So this guy was saying that uh, the grandmother had no history of heart problems and that, you know, you know, they should be able to prove that it was as a result of this that she got so upset and that that caused her death. So, Jack, what have you? Uh, what's your take on this? I know you've been looking at this, right? Uh, it's it's an interesting question. It's it's one that that Florida courts have addressed in in part. First off, the thing that really surprised me is there is just a complete absence of snake bite rulings from the Florida courts. Which, given the number of snakes y'all have down there, that yeah, really, crazy. that's huh. interesting. But but here, part of the issue turns on was the snake. You know, on the property in connection with Disney. Did Disney own the snake? Did Disney somehow lure the snake? Was Disney negligent in having the snake on the property? This snake wasn't even venomous from what I understand. I mean, certainly the the conduct after the boy was bitten doesn't show that it was venomous. So you've got a non-venomous snake that Disney says wasn't its property falling out of a tree onto a boy. 
Now, I can understand the boy wanting to sue for something. Okay, let's forget about the boy, because even if the snake bit him, you know, if you show Disney was negligent there, then, okay, the boy might have a cause of action. Uh, I don't believe Disney was negligent. When you have wild animals like this, if it's your wild animal or you're maintaining the wild animal on your property, you don't have to show negligence. You're just liable if the animal harms somebody. Uh, well, here, it wasn't Disney's snake. Let's assume that. So let's then go forward and say, well, why can the grandmother or the grandmother's estate or family sue because she died? Uh, Florida doesn't require what's called an impact. That is, a uh, long time, the decisions required somebody who wanted to sue for injuries to have some kind of an impact, a car wreck, something like that. Well, it's recognized in many states, including Florida, that if you witness a what the case calls somebody with whom you have a close emotional attachment be injured uh, through the negligence of another person, then and that causes you injuries or death, then you can sue them, uh, the person that caused the injury. Think, think of a drunk driver case. One of the cases involves a drunk driver who plowed into somebody and caused that person's death. Well, the mother of that person who died came upon the accident soon thereafter and had her own physical problems, and she died of a heart attack, as a matter of fact, is one of the Florida cases. And so the court not only let the estate of the driver sue, but it let the mother, mother's estate sue for that wrongful death. Mm. She sued the drunk driver. Here you're a little bit further removed from that because you're dealing with an action that's not at the equivalent of a drunk driver plowing into another car. A snake falling out of the tree happens, and it's hard to say why Disney would be negligent under those circumstances, and that's a key point. Florida in Disney general, negligent. Florida in general is full of snakes. It yeah. just is mm-hmm. what it is. I've had them in my house. Yeah, I've, I've had yeah. them on our property. And when you talk about the animal kingdom, where it's situated. It is carved out of primeval forest. Mm -hmm. This is a piece of land that is originally swamp land. It's going to have natural animals on it. It's going to have snakes and anything else related to being a natural uh, habitat. So I don't know how they can, like you said, unless it was part of a display that got loose, part of an exhibit that got loose, then it's Disney's responsibility. But in general, I don't see how they can prove that this is Disney's I can't tell you the, um, the the numbers of times that I've had to pull snakes out of uh, Blizzard Beach. They, I mean, they, they come out of nowhere. In the middle of the day, you know, a snake would get into the creek, and they can't get out. So you hear all these people screaming, and we'd have to get in there and fish them out. It was just part of the day. You know, it's just they're everywhere. Well, you know, it's... Well, the boards... Go ahead. The boards, a number of years ago, the boards had pictures of a nest of snakes on the second floor of one of the garden wings at the Contemporary. <laughs> now there's there's an entire uh, there's an entire segment of our audience right now cringing um, with the anytime I, I I have to tell you something I think uh, I, this is anecdotal but I think probably the most read news story on the Disney years was this story if you want to get attention use the word snakes in Disney. <laughs> And I was in the Magic Kingdom Disney, one day, yes. walking along the boardwalk in Frontierland, and all of a sudden they were clearing the area, and they made us get out of the way. There was a rattlesnake sitting up on top of the uh, the bushes, sunning itself. 
And they had yeah. to have the rattlesnake. Again, this is Florida. In. They're going to be there. Jack, is there any um, precedence or any information about how soon after an incident occurs that the family member passes away? It feels to me like a few days later for the grandmother to have a cardiac incident it might be hard to prove that it was directly related to witnessing this attack or this bite on this child. Well, that is a good question. At one time, the Florida courts did say that the injury, the, the, you know, the secondary injury, which is what the, the grandmother would be here, uh, has to occur very close or, or soon thereafter. The, uh, a subsequent decision said we're not so much concerned about the time limit uh, as we are showing causation. That, that you're going to have to show causation. And there are cases that have even gone so far as to say that, that if there's a pre-existing condition, which here the grandmother is not alleged to have had any kind of a heart condition, so far as I know, but if she did, then that would go a long way toward disproving causation. So no, the time limit is not fixed. It is just a matter of can you get an expert to say for sure that the grandmother died of fright after because she witnessed the boy being attacked? But even if, but even snake. if she did, even if she did die of fright because of this, if it wasn't Disney's snake, I mean, right. there are acts of God. And if it's not Disney's snake and it's natural to Florida and it's an act of God, I mean, how can Disney be held liable for any of it? Well, and that's the point. The, the key point is, was Disney negligent? Uh, negligent and allowing the snake to be on the property. Well, negligence is a matter of balancing the risk. How far do you have to go to prevent a snake from coming on your property? Well, then uh, it's, uh, you know what, if if it goes that route where Disney is found negligent for a wild snake on its property, then we are all in trouble down here mm-hmm. because what happens if I've got guests at my house and, you know, I've found snakes in my backyard many times. And, it's, you know, am I now suddenly, you know, liable uh, because I didn't, you know, I don't know what, live in a bubble? Um, it's Florida. So well, I, and the precedent, the precedent in Florida that I found, one of them was kind of interesting. A hospital, I think, had a black widow spider get loose into the, the uh, gowns that they give out to the patients. And the patient, of course, put the gown on and got bit. Well, the, the court said the hospital wasn't liable because they'd taken the adequate precautions to prevent the, the, the spiders from coming on the property. And part of the court's reasoning was, it's Florida. There are going to be animals, insects of the, this nature, coming into the house, in, or in this case, the hospital. Can and I so just interject it's just not for possible to prevent everything from, um, from, from happening like that. I just want to interject for people who are listening. We do not live in the snake scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. A snake in your backyard, while common, when we mean common, we have one once every 18 months. So it's not like we have to wade through them to get out to the backyard. Well, you know what gets me here is, okay, so they were here on vacation. Just the exertion of walking in the parks and all of that could get... People have heart attacks just doing that. If they're not used to the exercise, if their heart's not used to it, I mean, that could take you down. So how are they going to tie it into... What really bothers me, I think, is that if this does go in their favor, then you're looking at a whole series of lawsuits of people who say, I went on Space Mountain a year ago, and I I had a heart attack because of Space Mountain a year ago. I, that's what worries me, is that people can now open up a whole new set of lawsuits based on what happened at a park 
But at least with the rides, that there are warning signs saying if you have heart conditions, back conditions, what are they going to do at Animal Kingdom? Like, you may get bit. Or you may see oh. a snake. You may get stung by I, a bee. I would not be surprised yeah. if that starts happening. Well, let's, you know, also just balance out that, you know, on the surface, to me, in my opinion, this looks like an ambulance chaser looking to make a case against a big target and make a name for himself. Um, it, it, it's almost patently absurd uh, that Disney w- would be held liable for this woman's death. I mean, it's terrible that she died, and I'm sure the family is grief-stricken. And grief-stricken people often want to find someone to blame. And, you know, uh, but at the same time, like I said, I I was saying to you before we went on the air, I watched the press conference where this lawyer, um, you know, this, this lawyer held to talk about this, and I wanted to take a shower when I was done watching it. Because this guy came across to me like a sleazy, greasy used car salesman. Um, and I think that's an, an insult to used car salesman. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, w- which way do you think this is going to break, Jack? Do you think Disney's going to Disney's in any trouble here? Or do you think that the courts, based on precedent, are, are going to side with Disney on this? I think uh, the courts are going to side with Disney on this. I think it's the very interesting thing here, of course, is many times I'm on the show saying, you know, Disney's going to keep quiet about this so we don't know the full story. Well, Disney came out immediately and said this was an utter misrepresentation. Even before the lawsuit was filed, they've said that. So I, th- I see Disney fighting this, and I think Disney's got a pretty good shot at getting it dismissed. I mean, is the grandmother within the direct you know, relationship standard right there? And how can Disney be negligent for a wild animal that just happens to be on its property? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But all right. Well, thank you very much, Jack, for taking time to be with us. We appreciate it. Now, uh, I think you don't you don't chase ambulances for a living, though, right, Jack? Not not on my good days, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jack. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you. Our second news story: Gunman arrested at Disneyland Paris Hotel. A 28 year old Paris man was arrested Thursday, January 28th as he tried to bring two firearms and ammunition in his luggage into a Disneyland Paris hotel. Police are also looking for a woman who had been with him. The man attempted to go through a routine security screening checkpoint with the guns at Disney's Hotel New York, and they were noticed on the x-ray machine. He told police that they were for his own protection. Michelle LaProvost, Deputy Chief of Criminal Police of the city of Mua, Said the man was also carrying a copy of the Koran. Where was he? I can't do it again. <laughs> if you missed it the first time, you're out of luck. <laughs> Francois Banon, Disneyland Paris, a Disneyland Paris representative, said, quote, The police were immediately notified and the individual was arrested. Disneyland Paris is 19 miles east of Paris's city center. Well, we had a discussion on the show back in November about uh, after the Paris attacks about how safe Disneyland Paris was, and some people had commented that there wasn't a lot of obvious security. Well, I got to say that the fact that they're x-raying luggage says an awful lot about what they're doing for security. Now, I do have to say, when we got there, we were not 
this, but this was before the attacks in Paris. We got arrived at the hotel and our rooms were ready. And I took my carry on and my duffel bag, and we walked right into our room. There's a different, there's a very different dynamic Disneyland Paris. We stayed at the Disneyland hotel out there, and Kevin's right. We walked in, we got our room, we went into the park with no security. But when you come from the other hotels right. and you come from the parking structure, there there were uh, X-ray machines Good set up, work. and anybody with a bag. My only a, point was that we were not, right. and we didn't have to go through security right. because we well, used no, the Disneyland heard, Paris entrance. We've heard from other people that they felt that the security had been lax, but then I'd heard from some after that show that they f- thought the security was a lot, a lot greater than we were giving it credit for. My point being that here they are, you know, clearly X-raying something, caught something. This could have been a disaster. I agree. This could have been an absolute disaster. So I think Disneyland Paris deserves some credit here for catching this. Um, the uh, Whether or not the fact that he had a copy of the Quran with him matters or not, I don't know. But the fact that he had two handguns and enough ammunition to reload several times um, doesn't sound like what you bring when... Your reasoning is for protection. I mean, it's not Mardi Gras. I mean, you go to Disneyland Paris. Maybe just he was don't afraid of make me take my shoes yeah. off. But even if you're bringing it, even if you're bringing a gun for protection, are you going to bring a gun with enough ammunition to reload several times? That's not what you do. I don't think that doesn't that doesn't sound this right goes, to me. This goes into a whole other discussion of that sort of issue. I think the, I think the bottom line. I think you're right. Is that there's security at these parks that we don't see that mm-hmm. are keeping us safe. Um, went to Epcot yesterday. I was one of the folks who was randomly selected to go through the screening. Yeah, me too. And I was happy to do so. Mm-hmm. I felt safe in that park. There was no reason not to feel safe. So I think Disney security is doing what they need to do. I agree. I agree. But I think it's also important, just from some comments that I've seen um, after the story came out, um, France doesn't have a Second Amendment. There's no right to carry in, in France. There's no right to own a gun in France. It's against the law virtually everywhere in the world to own a gun the way it is here. Um, and so in cases like this, it makes the issue a lot more black and white for the authorities that, no, it doesn't matter why you have the gun. You're not allowed to have a gun unless you're licensed specifically for a specific reason. And also, when you enter those parks, there's signs that say no firearms allowed. And you're on private property. Yeah. Right, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So um, I think that it's, uh, uh, it's definitely to Disneyland Paris's credit that they caught this. And, you know, I... I understand the world we live in now. I just want to reiterate that I'm not suggesting that they haven't changed the security policy. When we arrived, I told you what right. we Right. No, I understand. I understand. I, but I don't, I don't know that that's the case any longer. Right. I, what I was saying was, uh, you know, I understand this is the world that we live in now. That, you know, these things, these things happen. And I've said it before. I'll say it again now. Living in fear... Of this stuff, what's the point? What good does it do, really? Um, you've got to live your life. And when you stop doing that, they win. And I feel very safe in the parks. I feel very safe on Disney property. But I'm also an adult. And I understand the world we live in. And I understand that every time I step foot outside my house, and in some cases, every time I get out of bed, I'm taking a risk. 
Anything can happen. You hope it doesn't. You pray it doesn't. You try and take common sense measures to protect yourself. But there's a point where common sense has to give way to living a life too. Um, or at least fear has to give way to living your life is what I mean, what I mean to say. Um, so I hope that these stories don't encourage people to, oh, I can't go to a Disney park because, you know, I'm going to get shot by terrorists. That's a form of twisted self-importance that the likelihood that it's going to be you is really slim. So you're just not that important. The problem with something like this is the people who are already afraid of this get more afraid. This is now the reason I'll, I we have friends who have said it all the time. I won't go to park because I'm afraid someone's going to do something. But that's an that's excuse. Just, that's an excuse to right. live in fear. Exactly. That's all it is. And you know what? It's if it's not, not to go anyway, if it's not this, it's going to be some right. other issue that because that's what you want to do. You want to live in fear. That's a choice you're making in your life. Great. Good for you. But maybe you want to, I don't know, develop some self-awareness about it and think like, OK, how realistic is this? The positive spin is that they caught it. And the positive spin is that they're catching more than we'll ever be aware of. That's how I look at it. Exactly. Does anyone know if they linked the guy to any groups or anything? They the uh, the last time I looked, they had said that he was not known to either the French police or the French intelligence service. So he was not someone that was being watched. He was not somebody that was known to them. So that tells me that at least at the point that this went down. This guy was not uh, was not somebody right, of, right. of concern to them. So, all right. Um, there is one other story I do want to talk about that I added in at the last minute today because uh, it was just uh, just announced this morning in the L.A. Times that uh, Universal Hollywood has uh, decided to go to on demand, effective immediately, to go to on demand pricing for their theme park tickets. This is something we've talked about. It's been rumored about. Uh, possibly coming to Walt Disney World. This is the first major theme park in the United States that is going to yield their pricing. I say major theme park. Don't email me about, oh, well, you know, Joe's theme park in Tuscaloosa does it. I said major theme park. Okay. And that's Disney, Universal, SeaWorld. Those are major theme parks. Everything else is regional. Okay. Um, Right now, their current price for a ticket for one day at Universal Hollywood is $95. And uh, April 7th, they will open up their version of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which is, as you can imagine, very, uh, very anticipated. And they're expecting big crowds. And obviously, they want to capitalize on this. So what they're saying right now is that if you book online ahead of time for a projected slow period, that you could save as much as $20 on that ticket, and you'll get the ticket for $75. Right now, they're saying they're not planning on going above $95. What they're trying to do is figure out what the crowds are going to be. Hmm. And they're doing this through September right now, is what, is what I read. So, But this, you know, irrespective of the details, price yielding is a very common practice in the travel industry. Hotels do it. Airlines do it. A lot of tourist-related facilities and activities are price-yielded, meaning that when they are busier or during busier times of the year, the price is different. This is why, you know, Disney has value season, you know, high season, holiday season, and the prices all di- all differ. 
The parks themselves, though, have not historically done that. It's been one price no matter when you come. And this opens up the door in a big way. This is a major player doing this. Disney is absolutely going to be paying attention to how this works out for them. And if it works out, I guarantee you, within a year, within a year, we'll be dealing with yielded prices at Walt Disney World. Oh, and Such a nightmare. I'll, <laughs> I mean, from this side. From a business yeah. standpoint, it could be a little challenging. However, it might not necessarily be all bad. It might not necessarily be all bad. You know, we've been spending a lot of time uh, in the parks now. Uh, I had mentioned to everybody that starting the beginning of this year, we're mandating park time. Uh, folks that work full-time for the Diz are in the parks at least one day a week, in some cases twice a week. And uh, for the month of January, Craig and I were in the Magic Kingdom. And, you know, I remember the days when you could fire a cannon down Main Street and not hit a soul uh, in January. Those days are gone. The crowds are ridiculous. I mean, it's crowded. And they're, you know, they're pretty much is no slow season anymore. I think for as much as on one level, I would hate yielded pricing. On another, I think it might help lessen the crowd some. Really? I think if to a degree, I don't think it's going to empty. I would have done the reverse. No, I think what will happen is during busy times, times, you know, that Disney's expecting a certain crowd level. If the price of that ticket is $20 higher, it may discourage some people from going that particular day. Whereas if it's even across the board, you know, there's nothing to discourage people from going, um, you know, especially in, in places like Epcot, which I thought World Showcase was pretty crowded yesterday. Uh, we were over there doing our, our dining review and World Showcase was, was, was pretty crowded. And, you know, I was there on Saturday with, uh, with my niece, Melanie, and it was crazy. And that's locals. That's locals. So I wonder if price yielding might not have a positive impact on, on the crowds. Disney's making the money they need to make, and maybe the crowds are a little bit less. What do you guys think? So wait, I'm confused, though. I think it would be the opposite, because if it's slow season, and let's say it's, they're going to make it, uh, I don't know, so slow season's going to be less. Well, my point, is, my point is, I, I, right now, slow season doesn't exist anymore. So if Disney knows they're going to have 50,000 people in the Magic Kingdom on a Monday in January, and they can raise the price... Is that one of the ways? Because believe me when I tell you, Disney is Disney's hearing these complaints about the crowds and the lines. They are hearing it. They are hearing it. And I want you just imagine though, if the price on a particular day was higher or a particular period was higher. We're not going to see. You're not going to see the model of lower pricing. You're not going to see the model of Disney reducing the pricing for a certain day. You'll see the. Model of Disney raising the price. Correct. That, the yeah. price will. So, I, yeah, I, I think at Disney, the price stays as it is. Right. Exactly. Right. And then on certain times they raise it, and I wonder if that cannot be could not be used as a tool by Disney to help gauge where their crowds. But for that. all for all the days that it's the standard price, like the regular. Well, then it's, price those days it's not going to make a difference. What well, about, then isn't aren't like everyone going to bum rush those days because it'll be the lower price? I don't. 
I don't believe that's going to happen at all. I think this is strictly a way of Disney to squeeze more money out of people. Because what's going to happen, for the most part, this is going to be tied into a package price. So now the person who can only come over the summer because kids are off of school is going to see that price be more and have to make the decision, do I pay more for that price or do I not? let Let me draw this comparison for you. Because, like I said, the price yielding is a common mm-hmm. practice in in the travel industry. So you go looking for airfare. Right. And you take a look at a certain set of dates that you want to travel. Mm-hmm. Yet the price of that coach ticket is $1,000 round trip for you to go back to New York. Okay. But if you adjust your travel by a couple of days... The price of that ticket is $500. If you have that flexibility. If you have that flexibility, then you'll go. Yeah, but then, so yeah, that's true. I, but then I wouldn't have gone that week before. So now that week before is going to see a lot a lot more people that they wouldn't have seen. I, don't, I, have, an, I have another comparison. I don't, think that, I don't think that's ultimately how it ends up happening. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we just went through a really busy period with Christmas. It's less busy now. I can tell just by driving through the ma- or past the Magic Kingdom parking lot. Right. In comparison to Christmas, it's less busy in January. So are we getting a bums rush now for people who are coming because it's less true, crowded? True, true, true. People come when they can come. That's right. true. I think that's the bottom line. I, I don't, we don't see a bums rush as you – that's the word you used. We don't see a huge influx of people during what we used to call slower periods. Slower periods were slower periods because people usually can't come at that time. Okay, yeah. Well, do you think if it's, um, say they raise the price, Magic Kingdom is going to be crazy busy, and they raise the price, would that funnel people to the other parks because the price is cheaper? Assuming if if they're doing it on a park-by-park basis versus resort-wide, that would... That's an interesting question as well. I have a feeling Disney's getting complaints about, not about their service. I have a feeling Disney's getting quality complaints. I can't get on anything. I mm-hmm. can't. I don't want to wait in line this long. I don't mm-hmm. want to plan this far in advance. I can't get the reservation I want for the restaurant I want. And I have a feeling we're going to see Disney fix that. I, I agree, but the 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 level to which they fix it and the speed with which they fix it is going to depend on one very, very important factor. I have worked with Disney for going on 20 years. And I can tell you there is an absolute attitude in their management that if you don't come, someone else will. So that is a pervasive attitude. They don't, they're not going to put that in a press release. They're not going to share that in any of their marketing material, but that is an absolute pervasive attitude that runs through Disney management. If you're not going to come, someone else will. With that said, I I also think what going back what John said that this isn't going to be a crowd control thing because say they do raise it to $125 a day, they're still going to have that same mentality. If you don't pay it, somebody else will. So it's not really going to reduce well, the crowd. It's just going to make them more money. Anger them. Only, <laughs> only when Disney begins to see, and I think they may be starting to see this, the trend in guest feedback saying, I'm not coming back because it's too busy. I'm not coming back because the lines are too long. 
when they start seeing a trend and when that trend starts to materialize in attendance at the parks, then. But as long as Disney is packed in January, I don't know how... In, I, mean, I, I know that they're aware of the complaints. I know they're looking at these complaints. Whether or not they are motivated to do anything about it is my question. Because so far, they haven't. These complaints have existed for a while. And we really haven't seen anything happen that would tell me there's going to be a direct impact or a change has been made that makes a direct impact on any of these issues. So, I don't know. But we already have seen them have, um, what did you call it? What kind of pricing, the word? Price yielding. Price yielding on restaurants. We've seen them, uh, it's more expensive to go to the Crystal Palace during the holiday. Yes. So, I mean, we've already seen them touch on this. This is not a completely new concept for them. The ticket is such a weird animal because as it is, it's it's price tiered based on length of stay and there's uh, park hopping and not park hopping. I don't know if it's geared towards that person coming or it's geared towards the day guest. If this is more about keeping the day guest away. Get to keep the locals away. Yeah, if you saying, don't have listen, an annual pass. Well, that's th- those are the ones. Yeah, I, I don't imagine. I don't imagine. Um, you know, annual pass holders are going to be hit by this. I don't think we're, annual pass holders are going to have to pay a premium. In addition, we already to the, started. They've right. already started with the pass that you pay more now if you want to go every day. Right. Well, I yes, mean, but I as think opposed will- to as opposed to saying that if you have an annual pass. And you want to go, you know, you've already bought your annual pass and you want to go on this particular day that going in, you've got to pay another $10 because you want to go on that day is what I'm saying. But I also think if they do this, that makes that annual pass look more valuable. Way more valuable. Oh, yeah. So I know there was some complaining when the annual passes went up. I don't know how many annual passes they want out there. This was the reason Disneyland jacked the price of their annual passes through the roof there were too many of them out there they didn't they don't want to sell anymore because they already have too many pass holders and so the park is reaching capacity when they could be getting day guests in or they could be getting the non-pass holder guests who will probably spend more money in the park more more than likely so what disneyland did was they raised the price of those annual passes to a point where a lot of people were like i can't afford this so it's you know so that's one way that Disney will raise pricing in order to help curb and control their crowds. So whether or not that will come in the form of of, of, of tiered pricing or on demand pricing, yielded pricing, whatever you want to call it, remains to be seen. But if this works for Universal Hollywood, I guarantee you, within twelve months, we are going to see it. I'll even go a step further. If it works for Universal Hollywood, we'll see it with the next uh, with the fall price uh, the fall price increase. I think Disney's already got us. They're already gearing us up for it. Yeah. There was a raise in the annual pass pricing. There was um, the the really the removal of the no expiration option on a ticket. Mm-hmm. They're already gearing up for this in some form. I agree. I agree. So all right, well, we've got to move on right. because we that went on a lot longer yeah. than I thought. 
So, all right. Thank you, John. That will do it for the news. We are going to move on to Rapid Fire, and we'll start with Johnny. All right. New promotion out for Disney Cruise Line. 50% off the uh, usual Disney Cruise Line deposit. You can take half off the required deposit when you book a Disney cruise of seven nights or longer, scheduled to set sail between August and December of 2016. Um, you have to book by March 27th of 2016, valid for new reservations only, again, sailing between August and December. Um, no booking code is required for this. It will just be an automatic thing when you go to make a new reservation. I don't know. I don't know that this is the enticement that Disney thinks it is. You know, I guess people don't want to put a lot of money out of pocket. I think the problem is that Disney Cruise Line went to the, uh, instead of the uh, set amount per person pricing, they went to the 10% of the reservation total, and that's giving people sticker shock. But I'm not sure that this is going to have the effect that they want it to have, because people will just cancel if they can't afford it Yeah, when the time comes. so. Well, it might also be an indication that their decision to go to a 10% a deposit isn't working for a um, lot of these more expensive cruises for sure it stops a lot of people it does stop that's a lot of people it's a hunk of money to put up front mm-hmm. on some of them for a trip are. that you might not be going on for right. 12 or 14 months right. yeah exactly all right thank you john kevin uh walt disney world plans to build a 286,000 square foot venue at wide world of sports according to documents submitted to the state the plans filed with the southwater florida or South Florida Water Management District don't say what the sports venue would be, and Disney won't release that information. Frozen. <laughs> Plans say the gross square footage would be 286,000, and the footprint would be 180,000 square feet. In comparison, the existing Jostin Center Gymnasium is 70,000 square feet. The project would be on 10 acres, and it will include associated parking. New events being held at the Wide World of Sports this year will include the Christian Music Festival, Night of Joy, and the Invictus Games. That's those big, huge watches, I think. Um, An athletic competition for wounded veterans. Disney sought permission from the state to develop on more wetlands, including an additional 122-acre area that encompasses the sports complex and Disney's Hollywood Studios. To the west of Disney Flamingo Crossing, development is under construction and will feature hotels that are aimed at people attending events at the Wide World of Sports. The complex, which opened in 1997, currently has a number of facilities for sports and from baseball to tennis. Other buildings on the complex include the Fieldhouse and the Justin Center. I did a sports rapid fire. You did. Next Star Wars. Yeah, it's a pretty sure sign of the apocalypse. Wait, you did a sports rapid fire, and I'm hosting a Super Bowl party on Sunday. So this is the end of civilization as we know it. I do. I have 20 people coming to my house for a, for a Super Bowl party. And I didn't want to question that, but it seems so odd. I didn't odd. want to question it. <laughs> well, does he know? I just want to be there to see how it goes. Got a hundred bucks on heads. Thanks. <laughs> she wants to well, have no, a ringside I mean, seat. Is it going to be about the commercials or is it going to be about the game? Well, you know, there's a, well, it's going to be about the game. They're going to play squares. Because they're Who's playing Pete. Um, uh, Denver Broncos and Carolina Panthers. You're so much better than I Wow. What are their team colors? Who the hell knows? Oh. Um, no, I had my... Uh, There's going to be sports. Okay, can I today. finish a sentence, please? <laughs> Shut the hell up. I, I, uh, put, uh, I, I just redid my backyard. I put an outdoor television there, and, and I've got my summer kitchen built out. And A friend of mine said, you're crazy not to do a Super Bowl party, and I'm looking for an excuse to entertain. You couldn't wait for the Oscars. And I've got my Oscar party coming up, but that's being catered, so that's a whole different... 
a whole different thing. But yeah, so it's going to be fun. I think it will be. So, all right. Thank you, Kevin. Teresa. All righty. Mine is about food and merchandise. Seashore Suites at Boardwalk has closed. Closed this week <gasps> due to the Flying Fish expansion. Rumor has it's going to relocate down by ESPN. So, awesome, cool, right? No candy for a couple days. Um, I have a second rapid fire about the merchandise, the Diz Unplug merchandise that we have for sale at the Welcome Center. These awesome little pins are our latest little, if you can see it, our latest little thingy. Do you have more of those? There's a whole bunch. I have a we bunch have. of them out there, yeah. We have okay. quite a supply. I have one. Oh, okay, because I'm getting re- I was getting ready to order more because that's all I've got here and we've been handing them out in the parks when we're in the I in will parks. bring you some. I have some. one for sale. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to sign the back of it. It's 4.99. Um, uh, we also have the Disney plug shirts, numerous different styles and sizes. I've got the water canteens. We've got coffee mugs with these cool little spoons. And I also have kind of a Diz shirt, too. It's just white with a little blue Diz on it. Those are uh, less expensive shirts. They're only $14.99. So you can email me at teckles or teckles at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. <laughs> teckles. That should be your name. <laughs> that should be. And um, I'll hook bon you up. Bons. I will hook you up. It's a stripper name. It is. Teckles. Teckles Bonbon. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you, Tackles, <laughs> Corey. All right, this uh, this hasn't been officially announced yet, but Joy and Sadness from Inside Out um, are expected to join Baymax in mid February at the meet and greet area at Epcot. Um, Baymax is there right now holding meet and greets, but you know, hopefully, Joy and Sadness do join. Are there other emotions out there too, or is it just Joy Annoyance. and Sadness? You're talking about expected to, to meet and greet? Well, just right in now, general, just they're the only two that are out there. I know there's right other now, emotions. only joy and sadness, fear, okay. anger. Anger would be cool and, to meet uh, in the park. But or Bing Bong would Lust. be awesome, even though he's not. Lust. Lust. Just look for John when he's there. <laughs> really, you get anger, all right. You get or Max and, and <laughs> <What a> disgust. <laughs> Greg, can you bring wow. That, can you bring that picture back up? This is joy and sadness uh, sharing a mood stabilizer. Is what this picture is. <laughs> <laughs> Together, they'll be even. It's a really, it's a a really cute movie. If Why you've is Sadness seen it. a little chubby girl? That's She's very popular in that movie. Is she? Our kids love them all. But. Joy looks a little baddie. Okay. Have right. you not seen the movie? No, I haven't. Oh, you haven't really? seen it either. It's oh. the best thing I've ever it's seen. Really, it's really it's awesome. on my list. It's a great movie. It's one of having it in that party. Give it. That's that movie with Kevin Klein. This is Inside Out. Oh, right. everybody has to come as one of the emotions. <laughs> Any party we have would be an. Oh, I thought. It, <laughs> see, I thought it was more about belly buttons. <laughs> okay. All right. This is fun nowhere. Thank you, Corey Craig. Uh, charging stations have been added to the Grand Floridian. Port Very Park. exciting, Steve. Oh no, <laughs> that's it though. Uh, Disney Parks blog is doing uh, live streaming of Fantasmic tonight uh, at six fifty, um, and they'll also show a behind-the-scenes look at the show on the stream. So it's pretty cool. I watched the stream of the New Year's Eve fireworks, and it came in really good. It's really cool to see. So check it out. I gotta tell you, he was talking about the charging stations. We were going to Epcot yesterday, and they've put in what is it, four charging stations for electric cars, and they were all filled with Teslas. Oh yeah. yeah. So you not only get the parking, you get the best lot, yeah. parking spot if you have an electric car. Oh, These Kevin, are not I'm out just in nowhere. Pretend. 
What? I'm just going to pretend. I'm just going to pull it and like stick it under the car. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but they're going to know your Ford Fiasco is not electric. (laughs) Pull in the Mustang and just throw the little Pull out a yellow extension. But I think, wow, expensive cars get the best parking spots. As it should be. Where do the Malibus go? Oh, you don't even get to use the parking lot. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Steve. That will do it for Rapid Fire. Let's move on and talk about our experience yesterday at Nine Dragons Restaurant at Epcot. Now, I, I will. I, I will. I want to preface the conversation by saying this is my least favorite restaurant. Has been my least favorite restaurant at uh, at World Showcase. Perhaps my least favorite at Disney World, um, and that's mainly because I've had some, you know, consistently bad experiences in terms of the food not being good and being ridiculously overpriced especially in comparison to what I can get up the street at my local Chinese restaurant, which is one of the things that I think this restaurant has going against it is that people are familiar with their own local Chinese restaurants. They already have Chinese food they really, really like, and this may suffer by comparison. However, I will say that yesterday's experience, in some regards for me, was surprisingly positive. I think that could be said of the amount of money you pay for a pizza at Via Napoli also. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't have a Moroccan restaurant in St. Cloud, so I don't really have anything to compare that to. And there's not a fish and chips restaurant. And gosh knows there's no Canadian restaurants that I know of. So I think if you're, I think that's an unfair comparison because I can get almost anything cheaper outside of Disney. No, I don't think it's necessarily even in terms of, I, I think it's an unavoidable comparison. Chinese food, probably more than any other ethnic food, is the most pervasive and popular right. in the I country. I also think that's why this, this restaurant gets avoided by people. Well, I, I think the reason it gets such bad reviews is because, A, you know, we have our favorite Chinese restaurant. It's a common thing. People, you know, know their local Chinese restaurant. They like the food there. And that's what they're used to. And, you know, I remember moving from Hunter's Creek up here. And I had my favorite Chinese restaurant in Hunter's Creek. And then I moved here. And I tried a couple, and then I found one that I liked. I didn't like it quite as much as that one. But then over the years, I got used to them. I really liked their stuff. And now that's my standard. And so, you know, people are more, more in the United States, I think, are more exposed to Chinese food than they are to most other forms of ethnic food. So I think this restaurant has that going against it, that just the natural reaction is, well, my local Chinese restaurant is better and it's a lot cheaper. So I think as opposed to, I think maybe the Italian restaurant might face some of that, but I don't think people eat Italian as, or, or eat out Italian as often as they're more likely to eat Chinese. It's so also that's with delivery think, because, you know, you get pizza delivered and you get Chinese food delivered. It's very convenient. And you're you, not in the burbs. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things, the great things about this restaurant uh, that we kind of took notice of was location. Uh, if you get to sit in the front area of this restaurant with all the windows, this is an excellent restaurant for people watching. It's actually the best view of Epcot, I think, of any restaurant there. Maybe Chefs de France has a great view also if you're near a window. But there are not a lot of I don't other restaurants. Pater- I don't think Chefs de France is as panoramic. Right. I mean, this Nine. is wide open yeah. of a view of the World Showcase. Um, I was surprised. I We walked in, and I had a little bit of a meltdown. As soon as we walked in, they restaurant, I'm going to guess the restaurant seats easily 500 people. 
Don't hold me to that, okay? It's a guess. However, they put Craig and Pete and John and I at a table for four that was between two other tables. So when we pulled our chairs out, we could each pull our chairs out at the most a foot. Between two other tables that were full in a restaurant that was empty. Right. Was it a server reason? Uh, That's where they sat us. So... Three feet from where they were going to seat us. You could read their text messages. Right. Uh, Well, here's the deal. We couldn't pull the chairs far enough back for all four of us to sit at the table. What was your meltdown like? Well, he's getting there, dear. Let him talk. So sitting next to us in this vast, empty restaurant is a table for six. It's literally three feet away. So I said to the person who was seating us, could we sit at this table? He said to me, with incredulousness in his voice, that's for six people. Well, not like you don't have enough tables. (laughs) There's 30 of us here. Okay, and that is exactly how he said it. (laughs) What, there's not enough tables? (laughs) But it was was the, well, sir, that's for six. If I walked into a full restaurant and there were four of us and I asked for a table for six and they said, it's the only large table we have, I would say, I understand. You take... In a warehouse full of empty tables, <laughs> this was not an issue. And this picture, for those watching the video, this picture that's up right now was the picture I took. Uh, or was it mine or yours? That's this mine. Is, it's yours. Uh, that's right. I never uploaded my pictures. I forgot. That's a live action shot. Um, that is exactly what the restaurant looked like. It was predominantly empty. This was 1.30 in the afternoon. Uh, that our re- We had our reservation on a day when World Showcase was fairly busy. There's a whole other room there that's actually yeah. completely empty. I don't know if we have that shot or not. But, I mean, not a soul in this restaurant. This is inches from where the guy wouldn't let us sit. But eventually, you know, he got scared. They had to go over and hold a conference. <laughs> it was like a conference at The Hague over, over whether or not, you know, Luxembourg was going to be able to sit at their table or something. It was. They finally came back and they said, all right, you can sit So now. you're standing there waiting. Yes, we're standing in the restaurant waiting for them to see us. Wow. And again... It wasn't that I didn't like the table. I couldn't pull my chair out and sit down. I don't need to be wedged between other guests when you have a warehouse full of empty tables. But they seated us and okay, we began our we began our meal. But we did have a waiter come over, a different waiter who said, "I'll be your waiter." Please don't yell at me. <laughs> so I have a feeling we, ch- we might have. I might have. Well, you were the in a different line. area then, because they feet. have areas. No, 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 three feet, right in the same area. Oh, who knows? So this was the year of the monkey menu. Which has got a lot of attention. No, it wasn't. The year of the monkey menu actually begins on the 8th of February. No. Oh, I thought this... this oh, that's was, right. This was... That's right. That's right. This was the confusion 1st. yesterday. There was too. no monkey on the menu. They are saying... They immediately was, says I'm wrong. They were saying that the uh, year of the monkey menu started on the 8th, but it turned out the special menu right. was was there. So right. I, I just like apologize. hearing year of the monkey menu. We had a, funny. I know, right? We had an opportunity to order off the year of the monkey menu. There was a prefixed <laughs> uh, lunch option. And then there was also special menu, special menu items. How did they fix the monkey? <laughs> chilled brains. It was chilled monkey brain. Vasectomy. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start out by saying something really radical. I think this is the best meal I've had in Epcot in a very long time. Yeah, I can't go that far. Anywhere close. It's I an can't. opinion. Um, I thought the food was well prepared. I don't think the food is any more expensive than any place else. 
I thought the serving size in Epcot. Was, in Epcot. Yeah, yeah. I thought the serving uh, the service was good. I thought once we got the table for six, um, I thought the food was served hot. I thought it was well prepared. I thought it was as good or better than anything I can get outside of Epcot. And again, I compare it to ordering a pizza at Via Napoli. I have a favorite pizza place where I can get two large pizzas with any topping I want on it for $17. I can't touch that at Via Napoli for one pizza. Right. So um, I don't see the comparison that this is different in any way, but I understand your point. I thought my food was very, very good. And the restaurant... I thought the restaurant was very clean. I don't know when the last time it was remodeled, but the rugs were in good condition. I remember eating there a while ago with my mom, who was in a wheelchair, and all of the tables had a five or six inch wooden apron underneath them. So people in wheelchairs could not get close enough to the table to eat comfortably. That is rectified. Uh, There are... The tables don't have the aprons anymore, so I believe that anybody in a wheelchair would be able to slide under them, depending on your wheelchair. Um, but I thought that I thought what we had was good. Uh, Pete and I ordered off of the prefix menu. Um, we had a choice of either two spring rolls, two steamed dumplings to start. Then there was a choice of three or four entrees. Uh, there was three. three there was the Mugu Gai Pan. And Happy Family, which <laughs> happy is Happy Family. Shrimp, chicken, beef. And then there was a special buns that was already on another menu, so we decided to to order that separate. And then dessert was included in that prefix as well for seventeen ninety eight. I believe was the price. Uh, yeah. uh, was it was seventeen ninety eight? So Happy Family and Mugu Gai Pan are both kind of mild. Was there the third one spicy? It was the Geritol buns. <laughs> it was the Geritol, Geritol, Geritol buns. buns. The man kept saying the special was Geritol chicken. And I kept thinking, I don't know what that is. Sounds he old. Was, he was saying General Tsao's chicken. Uh, but with his accent and the speed at which he was saying it, it came across He was across talking as fairly fast. Geritol. I think we might have scared him. Um, let me tell you what we ordered. John and Pete both ordered the fixed price menu. So they got those two appetizers you uh, mentioned. We, we made sure we got one of each thing. So that we could share it and, and talk about it. John also ordered the hot and sour soup. Ooh, I like that. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. I ordered the dumplings in chili sauce, which was the steamed dumplings in a spicy chili sauce with a bouquet of fresh vegetables. I'm sorry, there's more to that word. And then I ordered the honey sesame chicken. I figure that's a standard. Mm. So let's see how they do it. Craig, you had the Geritol chicken. Mm-hmm. And did you order an appetizer also? No, because then we also got the three sets of buns. We did. These, we got the braised pork belly steamed buns. We got the sweet and sour fish buns. And we got the general sour chicken buns. The reason why we ordered those is we understood that those are also special for this menu. So we wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to taste a variety of buns. Okay. All right, let's break it down. All right. Break it down. I enjoyed my food very much. I thought what we had was great. Uh, I shared everybody else's. When it came to the actual main course, I had the Happy Family. Um, Pete had the Mugu Guy Pan. Pan. I felt those were a little bit under-seasoned, a little bland. They tend to be. Tend to be. It wasn't exactly, you know, But don't you think they tend to be that no matter what? I agree. That's why I usually load it with, like, spicy mustard and soy sauce. Um, as far as everything else on the table, I thought everything else on the table was excellent. These buns, I thought, were incredible. The buns, the buns were the star I of the think. show for me. Um, what did the buns look like? Have you ever had a steamed bun at a 
Chinese restaurant. Yeah. It, that's what they were. They're usually oh, okay. called baos. Bao. But, okay. but you know, they have like you know the shredded the shredded pork bellies in one of them with a special like a horseradishy type sauce that was actually really good. And I'm not you don't a like horseradish. I don't. Yeah. a picture of it. And here are the pictures. That's um, two of them. You got two per order, and between the four of us in the three separate kind of buns, I think there was. Everybody had a favorite, and I think every one of the ones we ordered, somebody chose that as their favorite. Right. Yeah, it was just a matter of taste, but they, I, they were see, all I, excellent. Yeah, I wasn't going to eat the seafood one, uh, okay. but I thought the the beef one and the chicken, the chicken one, I think was my favorite. Um, I kind of go back and forth because the, the pork they were one both. Was your the beef had the pork. They were really, really, really good. Yeah, um, my favorite was the fish, and these are for two of them. They're eight ninety eight. Oh, that's and reasonable. I think if you went in and got a cup of soup and let me the the soup. Well, that's why I just let me just say about this lunch special that they're doing. Um, what impressed me is that, as, as John mentioned, you get an appetizer, either two vegetable spring rolls or two pot stickers. Uh, your choice of an entree, which is the happy family, the mugugai pan or these buns. Um, the, this is the General Chow's chicken buns lunch box, they call it. And that's uh Three of the General Chow's chicken buns. So it's a larger serving. And a bowl of hot and sour soup. And you get your choice of either strawberry bean ice cream, strawberry red bean ice cream, or caramel ginger ice cream. And that is for $17.98. I know, John, you thought it wasn't worth it. I thought it was great. In my opinion, I would much rather have put... $18 $18 worth of other stuff together and been full and satisfied. That's, that, that'd if be I, my style because I'm looking at this saying there's no way I'd get full off of this. If, it's, if it was just this, it wouldn't have been enough. However, having everything else, I was very, very satisfied. My entree, my entree was sixteen ninety eight. I had the honey sesame chicken and the appetizer that I ordered was twelve ninety eight. So You're a pricey date. My, it was a $30 meal, which is in line with Disney yeah. pricing. Do you have a picture of the honey chicken by any chance? I mean, no, it's pretty. It's beautifully it's prepared. Like it looks cute, but I don't want my it's food to cute. be cute. I want it, the whole plate no, to be covered. I got to tell you, this was this doesn't do it justice. This was it was, it was big. It was a good okay. amount of food. Um, that that bowl, that rice ball right there, is easily as big as a softball. Yeah. So uh-huh. in comparison, you can see how much you got. One of the things that Kevin mentioned was that the food was hot. Well prepared, well plated, so it wasn't slopped in your on a plate type of Chinese food. It was very well. I will out. also I, I will also say this um, special menu notwithstanding, on the regular menu, the price of the entrees I thought was incredibly reasonable. You're looking at entrees that are ranging between seventeen sixteen dollars. And twenty three dollars, and there's only one entree that's twenty two ninety eight, and that's uh, the uh, fragrant uh, five spiced fish. So that's a little bit higher than my Chinese place, sure. which was but not is much between nine to twelve. And I think, but I I think those prices have adjusted over time because I think this was I remember this being a lot more expensive than that at one point, and I didn't feel that. In any regard, that this was overpriced. Yeah, and if you go to like a higher end, uh, you know, Japanese, Chinese, just Asian fusion restaurant, you'll get the same exact portion sizes as this, with just you know, right around the thirteen, fourteen, fifteen dollar range. So a couple extra bucks at Disney doesn't put it completely out of the park. 
Now, I would also say I found this food to be superior because when I get – like if I got this honey sesame chicken at my local takeout place, they put it in a little uh, metal box with a plastic lid. So by the time I get home, that coating, that deep-fried coating – is mush. mush. I, this was this had a crispness to it. My feeling, my feeling also is that you know, in our local Chinese restaurants, these dishes are cooked in bulk. A lot of times, um, I know when I my, like my, I haven't had it in a long time because I'm you know, watching what I eat. But after all this talk, I may have to order it tonight. Um, my uh, my my local Chinese restaurant does a honey garlic chicken that's out of this world, um, but. You know the size of what we I get is huge, right, even, yeah. you know, compared to anything here. But also, I can I know it's prepared in bulk, whereas this is done to order more 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 or less. And um, there was a quality to this food that was I have to admit a step or two above what I would normally get at my local Chinese restaurant. Okay, this was my question: your chicken that you got. In what type of was it white meat? What, mm-hmm. what was it inside? Yeah, because sometimes you open up that those was a little sesame things, chicken, right? And it was like, the honey sesame okay. chicken. Yeah. It's like the, the mystery meat. The the bow, the bun was certainly a piece of white meat chicken okay. inside. Um, the fish was a thick, flaky piece of fish in that bun. I thought there was again. I we were all very much surprised at how much we enjoyed the food, and we were satisfied with the portion I'll size. I'll be I, I'll be honest. I I would. I would go back to this restaurant for those buns again. I would too. Yeah, no, um, what I was saying before is those are nine dollars. I would not. I'm sorry. I would not go back to this restaurant for my entree. I wouldn't go back. I you. you I didn't care for what you had for the um, mugu guy pit. Yeah, I didn't. I think um, that was just that's eating not, healthy. Yeah, that's yeah. That, it was yeah. not something that but appealed that, to me. Appealed but these really are nine dollars, and that in a cup of soup for four bucks. Yeah. That's $13 for lunch or dinner. Exactly. And, you, and I don't think you can find that anywhere else at Epcot. You used the word that was right on the money. You said it was pedestrian. And that's the way those two um, the, They're entrees, made the same way no matter where. Yeah, very, very, very plain. Nothing spectacular Simple, about it. Yeah. But I feel that like there's other things on this menu that more than make up for it. And I mean, you could have gotten Kung Pao chicken, which would have been much more spicy. Correct. I don't know if y'all mentioned this, but did you get an ADR for this, or did y'all walk? Yes, mm-hmm. we, we could have. We did get an ADR, but yeah. very, very easily could have walked. That's we what I was about to say because usually that's, there was always availability right. here. Yeah. And I, I think this has, as I said, I haven't been here in a very long time, but I liked it the last time I ate here. I, John, and I don't eat in Chinese restaurants. Almost That's ever. a takeout. Yeah. It's, you know, there's one down a mile from our house and it's, you know, let's get Chinese and bring it home. So um, my point was, I think this is a value. I, I don't think if you're looking for it exotic, I don't think it's exotic. I think you got a great view of Epcot. I think the food's really good. And that's where the good news stopped because then came dessert. Yeah. Oh, and John you got a red bean ice cream with his. You ordered the caramel ginger ice cream. Right. And then I decided, let's give one of the off the menu. We ordered the banana. First of all, this is a picture of the ice cream up there. Is that ice cream or tiny chickens? <laughs> what, what is that? Just, oh, it was so gross. We also ordered the banana cheesecake egg roll. Ooh. And this served two. Okay, that sounds really good, right? It, banana cheesecake. Egg you know. roll. But wait, let me tell you something with that. My 
Chinese place also serves that. And okay. I think they don't get excited. They bring it in. These were filled with Gerber stage two bananas. Yeah. <laughs> This is drizzle. No, I disagree. I absolutely disagree. It was not Gerber Stage 2 Bananas. It was Play-Doh. <laughs> Did have the consistency of Play-Doh. The best part about the dessert, this dessert, see those little caramel swirls? Yeah. That was the good part. Yes. Yeah, this was absolutely I'm betting they're bringing it in because my place has I was excited about that. I thought, I, I even said to these guys, this is, I, I really have a good feeling this is going to be good. I took one bite of it. I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. Because it tasted like you were eating Play-Doh. And There's it looked no- like tuna fish. And it looked like tuna fish. <laughs> there is nothing cheesecakey about this. Nothing. It is pre-digested banana mush. And while I did not have the visceral response to the ice cream that they did, um, this was just very bland ice cream. Um, just very bland. Yeah, but I, I, I did proceed to eat the rest of the strawberry ice cream. I enjoyed the the strawberry? caramel ginger one. I thought the flavors in that were bottled. I, didn't like that. I, didn't like I would it. like yeah. it have to have been more caramel or more ginger. It needed more flavor. It was just it reminded like a weak me vanilla? of really now, weak coffee ice cream. I do believe that this restaurant has suffered uh, a from constant negative reviews. Um, this is probably the worst reviewed restaurant in Epcot, and it, it has. Clearly, they're aware of their reputation. And I think, you know, from my standpoint, I will tell you the meal I had the last time I was there, which was a couple years ago, was nothing close to what I had yesterday. So I think, A, this restaurant is up to its game. Clearly, they're suffering as a result of these bad reviews and the bad word of mouth. And that's why I think you have this lunch menu that has basically... There's food on it for $18. Uh, it's why the prices are what the prices are. And the sign spinner in the front. <laughs> really, everything short. Yeah. Everything short of that. I thought our lunch, our lunch, we weren't rushed. It was very leisurely. We could have stayed longer. They were right on top of refills. Oh, yeah. Service was fantastic. <laughs> and you made what I thought was an outstanding point yesterday, that this was light years better than Tony's Town Square oh restaurant. Oh, my gosh. A thousand times better. And in my opinion now, Tony's absolutely takes the crown as worst restaurant at Disney World. And this was cheaper. Yeah. This was cheaper, yes. For the four of us, after Tables in Wonderland, it was $147. However, we really over-ordered. I mean, we over-ordered. Tremendous. You're talking about this, not Tony's. Yes. This. Well, Tony's too, but... Well, Tony's was $177 for four of us. This was 147, and we had much more food. And much more food that we ate. I was just going to say, we over-ordered. Other than the mushy bananas, <clears throat> there wasn't, nothing went back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the plates were clean. And uh, that, to me, that, to me, is a compliment. And I, you know, I, just, I have spent so many years trashing this place. And look, I'm still, it's still not going to be my, it's not my first stop at Epcot. Um, and, but there are things on this menu, there are things I had yesterday that... I've been thinking about today, <laughs> you Those know, I've been, oh like I would really love to go seven. back and get some more of that. Um, Maybe it was the um, because of it not being crowded or it not being busy. Our food came out hot, which is also a, often a problem at Epcot. Mm-hmm. Our food was, in my opinion, well prepared. Um, I agree. I agree. I agree with that. I, I think. And our food was reasonably priced. I think this has an undeserved bad reputation. That's my opinion. I've been to far worse. I've been to the Coral Reef. <laughs> this is one of there those ones, go. too. If you can't get an ADR for what you want, go here. 
for sure. Give this a try. Yeah, what I would good. what I would suggest what I would suggest is uh, to absolutely go in with an open an open mind, uh, and I don't expect your you know. We find our, like I said, we find our local Chinese restaurants that we like, and that becomes the, the platinum standard for us. And then when we get something else, it's never quite as good. I think that's a big part of why this restaurant has suffered. Yeah. So don't look at it from the standpoint of comparing it to your local Chinese restaurant. Um, go in with an open mind and try something you wouldn't normally get. I would not, you know, I've never seen these buns before. Um, and oh, my Lord, they were good. Those I cannot really believe good. this is not the premier restaurant if you wanted to be seated for illuminations. I cannot believe that that's not a thing. Let's get a window table. The only thing I could say about that is that you're right across from that. Um, oh, there's a little bit of a woodsy area, quote unquote. There's a little bit of a park-like area with trees, so you might have a blocked view. But for people watching, it was great. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Again, it's not going to rocket to the top of my list for Epcot restaurants, but I will say this: it is no longer on the bottom either. Um, I am more willing to go back to this restaurant now than I was before we went, and that's one of the things. I, you know, because like I said, Craig and I are in the parks every Monday, so uh, we've decided to kind of on most Mondays when we can. Go and go and do this. And one of the things I'm trying to do is, you know, kind of visit some of these restaurants that historically I've uh, I found, uh, you know, that I didn't like or that we we haven't liked or uh, have gotten bad reviews to try them out. So uh, next week, next week, the last time we reviewed uh, the San Angelin in Mexico. Uh, the uh, the expression "one step above frozen dinner," I believe, was uh, how it was described. So we'll kind of get a look at what we think of that. So that's what we're going to be talking about next Tuesday. So that will do it for this episode of our show. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again next week with another edition of the Dis Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone, and remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Have a good week. <laughs>